preaching in Jesus' name this morning. To say it's a blessing to be here is an understatement. Uh, I didn't mind staying home until I started having church services, and I'd still stay home. That didn't sail too well. But anyhow, we're here this morning, so this is a big step forward. And just uh, personal clarification, I was wearing a mask this morning. That does not, the fact that you don't have one on absolutely makes, I'm 100% comfortable. That does not make me a bit of difference one way or the other. Whatever I do is just basically for my own personal benefit. And so, yep, it's great. So just so you don't have to try to feel me out and figure out whether I'm going to get close to you and whether I think you should wear a mask or the other side. Just, just relax. It's all right. It's okay. So the title of the sermon this morning is Maximizing the Grace of God. Um, sometimes I'm mowing and I, and I, of course, sometimes it's like they're predicting rain or whatever and I, I'm thinking, uh, well, am I going to get done what I want to get done before, uh, the storm hits, you know, and, and, uh, and sometimes I think, kind of think of like my, my life's kind of like that. Uh, it's like maybe, maybe I should, uh, it's kind of storm brewing maybe seemed like, and so what, what can I get? do to get ready and that's a personal thing and sometimes in our lives we 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 can see a storm coming we we know that it's on the way and we just don't know when it's going to happen other times it's like you aren't really paying attention all at once you ever has happened all at once it's like a strike of lightning and i mean it just like oh i didn't expect that i mean i just was totally unaware and and this thing sneaks up on you whatever but so, whether you feel a storm approaching or whether you don't, we all have them. And so, the question I have this morning, and it kind of my personal experience kind of kicked it off, but, but how, how can I maximize the grace of God while I am where I am, or even if we're in the middle of a storm or whatever, how can I maximize the grace of God? Now, I don't know if you recall... Um, Willis Hurst, he, and we had revival meetings in our church. I'm not sure what the diagram was, but this is about the best that I can recall. Okay, uh, here we are going through life. You know, we're, we're kind of passing through life. And, and we're living for God, all right? And, and, and this, this is our personal experience down here. And, and, and sometimes it's better than others, uh, whatever, and it's kind of, Sometimes up and down a little bit. Hopefully it's not quite as rocky as that, but whatever. And, 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 but even at our best, okay, even at our best, it's down here and, and as our experience goes, but, but God's best is up here and, and, and we know it's obvious. It's, you know, it's no surprise to anybody that, that you can't do what all God wants you to do. You can't be what all God wants you to be. On your own. And so he, he encouraged us that, that, you know, our, our commitment, our 
enthusiasm for God and all that still is not going to make it all the way up here. And so God's grace makes the difference. You remember that sermon? That was a very encouraging sermon to me. And, and you know, it's like, well, we're not just kind of limited to down here. You know, God's willing to step in. He'll, he'll make the difference. And, and so the question this morning, as, as I thought about that, and, and as I thought about all of our experiences through life, what can I do now to maximize the grace of God in my life? So, if a, a, if a storm hits, that I'm pretty much prepared for that. Or at least not taken totally off guard. And if I'm, if I'm in it, of course, then how do I maximize the grace of God? Can I cheat myself? Even if you don't even really see a storm. Can I cheat myself of God's best? Can I cheat myself of God's best? You know, if I, if I don't avail of myself of the grace of God, how can I maximize my walk with God? Or as one person I uh, heard recently, they, they used the term press into the grace of God. And, and I, I, I like that. It was kind of like, how do I press into the grace of God? Um, now, I think all of us would understand and all of us would believe that the Bible teaches that the grace of God is without limits. All right. So so we don't have any problem up here. It's like, OK, uh you know, God's kind of running out here, you know, because too many people sapping on those resources, you know, okay, so, so if, if too many of God's people are, you know, in that, in adverse circumstances, God says, well, I, I've got to divvy this out here, you know, I got to caught, not caught quite enough to go around. No, no. We all believe that God's grace is without reach, is without limits. His resources are without limits. Um, we, we believe that we live in a day of grace. If you want to look, turn to John 1. <clears throat> I like to read John 1, 1 to 17. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as it was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's referring to Jesus Christ. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. Now, this is talking about John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him... to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwell among us. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, <clears throat> notice, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We live in the, in the era since Christ's arrival 
and his salvation was offered to us through his shed blood, and we are living in the day of grace. We believe that. Very plainly stated in John 1. There's references in the Bible that said we are saved by grace. There is nothing that I can do to jumpstart the saving process outside of God's assistance. All right, I just can't sit down as an individual and say, I'm saved now. No, that is a process that only comes by the grace of God. Obviously made by our decision to to step and avail ourselves of that grace. But that comes by grace. We can't do anything uh, to get that accomplished. That's step one. But then the question is, what's step two and step three? Um, am I satisfied to stay there? I experience the grace of God and salvation. Um, that's good enough. That's all I have to worry about. Bottom line is whether they're saved or not. And I can just go on my merry, merry way and do what I want. Is that the way it is? Does God expect more from us? Anything after we are saved, after we've given our life to Jesus Christ? Obviously, God expects obedience. He expects, he expects purity. And God's attributes include far more than grace. That is part of it. But he is, he is a God that has plans for us after we are saved that we experience more of his grace. So, I, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I, I found it paradoxical that if a Christian believes that salvation is by grace and that's all God wants, I believe they are cheating themselves of further grace that God wants to pour out on them. Because if, if I just become a Christian, I live however I very well please, and that may include things that, that are displeasing to God or sinful, whatever. When I commit those sins, I limit God's ability to give me the grace. And so the, the flaw of that grace only is actually very detrimental and limits me in incredible ways that God would like to pour out his grace on me, but he can't because, because I'm willing to live in sin. I'm willing to just shove all the responsibility off on him. I'm, I just do what I want. So then the question comes, so what, what should I do? How can I put, position myself to receive more grace from God? Now you notice in that John 1, in verse 16, it says, and I will reread that, and of, his, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. So what does that mean? And grace for grace. I believe that means that if I avail myself to the grace of God, I, when I do that, I open myself to additional outpourings of the grace of God. 
So it's grace upon grace. Okay, it came from Jesus Christ. I, I take it into my life. I respond properly to God by his grace. And in doing that, I make myself eligible for additional outpourings of grace. In other words, God's not going to just give it to you random and you can expect all the fullness of his grace just by, you know, by being sloppy. We need to open ourselves by a, a, a clear and pure walk with God so he can, he can, he's happy to pour more out into our life. Step by step. If you want to get further, start sooner. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul says, I availed myself of the grace of God. And I, and I didn't waste it. I didn't burn it off. I didn't, I didn't. Well, whatever. That's what, that's what he said. I, I didn't. How does he say it? Well, not in vain. God, God didn't pour out his grace on me. And, and because of his grace, I, I, I work. I, I, I expend effort. And in that expenditure of, of effort, God assists me in, He said it's not my work and my abilities. It's a grace of God that's, that's allowing me to become effective for God. So, receiving grace also involves the dispensing of truth. There in John, Christ came full of grace and truth. And so grace is, is, is very, very much connected, intertwined with truth. If I Let me back up. There's, there's multiple times in the Bible where it says, For I say through the grace given unto me, and then Paul says, he makes a statement. One of them is that a man shouldn't think more of himself than he ought to think. And so, grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is cruel. And so they they have to work together. They have they're 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 one in in, in their in their personality, if I could say that. Because if I if I if I embrace error in my life, hampers God's ability to pour His grace into my life. Disobedience limits God's grace. Passive attitudes towards spiritual things. Blocks God's grace. Turn with me into Matthew 11. Verse 
Matthew 11, verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom is written, Behold, I send forth my messenger before my, thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, There among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Never, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Verse 12, yes. What is he saying? If you want somebody that's lounging around in their home, you're not going to see John the Baptist, all right? If you're looking for a king and soft clothing and posh houses and all that, that, that's not John the Baptist. If you're looking for a prophet, you're going to see somebody that's on fire for God. It's... It's somebody that is seizing the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12 is a verse that's a little difficult to understand. From the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. That means it is being seized. By violence. It is being seized by strenuous activity. And he says the energetic, the violent, the energetic take it by force. I find that very interesting. If we take our walk with God passive, we will not seize the kingdom of God as he wants us to. Because those that are part of the kingdom of God are those that are serious. Those that are energetic. So, how much energy do I have? Is my spiritual heart pumping? Am I getting moving? Am I in order to maximize the grace of God? Paul begs the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then, as workers together with him, beg you, beseech you, that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. Please, please, God has poured out his grace on you. Please don't waste it. Don't burn it off as something useless. And so it becomes very obvious we as God's people, we can choose. We not necessarily can choose. We do choose to live at the spiritual level we want. But the sticker here, if you want to call it that, the level that we choose 
determines without fail the level of the grace of God that he's going to pour out in our life. You know, we can live. Our best can be down here. I mean, you know, it's like if you... You you can live down here. Just float along. It's not even your best. Not even my best. I can live down if I want. I, I can choose that lifestyle. Nobody can stop me. But there's no exceptions. I can't live down here and experience what's up here. It's just simply not going to work. I have to seize the kingdom of God. I have to get moving. I dare not waste the grace of God. So, I can be a nominal Christian. I can... I I can practice whatever vice I want. I can go to church and loudly claim the grace of God. And But you know what? God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Sure, we cheat those around us. But the biggest loser, if I live that life, that biggest loser will... Always be me. Always be me. You know, cheap talks has always been cheap. And it always will be. But, if I'm a farce, God knows I'm a farce. Sin simply cannot promote grace. Paul asked the question, shall we sin that grace abounds? He said, God forbid! Titus 2 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men No. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men Teaching us, okay, this grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works." That's what grace teaches us. It teaches us that life is serious. Life is not a joke. We're not here forever. And we need to live that kind of life that's described there that I just read. So then the question comes, how does the grace of God now, I've been, I've been talking up to this point, basically how my personal relationship with God and how God can, can pour out his grace into my life and, and, and how that all works and try to explain it at least in a limited way. But th- that can become very selfish. Okay, so, so I see this storm coming, so what can I do to get God's grace to maximize in my life? 
so that I can face the unknown, the known, or the unknown, or whatever, which is, which, which, that's fine, that's fine, that's all, that's good. But how does God's grace then affect those around me? Does God give his grace to me as an individual just for my personal benefit? Or is he expecting it to reach out? Does, or uh, I, I could phrase it like this. Does God intend his people or me as an individual to be a channel of his grace to others around me? So the, the question poses, does God give grace to me as an individual just for me individual only? Or does God pour out his grace for other people's benefit also? Does he want to use me as a channel of his grace for others? Paul said to the church of Philippi in Philippians 1, let's turn to that. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the day unto now. So he's saying, I'm blessing God for you. I enjoy the fellowship that I have. And certainly I can say personally that amen this morning. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even that is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Note that. For God is my record, how, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul says, God is using me as a channel of his grace into your lives. Ye are partakers of my grace. In Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So it's important to us, it's important, important as us, that we talk well. Because my talk has the capability of ministering grace, or it can actually impose on on the person besides me's source of grace. In other words, they got to kind of, how can I say this, kind of burn up a bunch of their personal grace because of stuff that I say. All right? It kind of saps their grace because, you know, I, I just say stuff I shouldn't. Or if I say things that God wants me to say, then I, I that is a source of grace. I don't think that's hard. <laughs> I don't think that's hard to to grasp. I, as an audience, you know very well the stuff is people have said about you that just kind of taps into your source of grace, man. I mean, it just takes a lot of grace of God for me to just kind of look over that. Or, or the next time, it's like somebody says something to you, and it's like, oh. Well, that was such an encouragement to me. And they ministered grace into your life. 
So does God's grace in my life stabilize others around me? Or do I, am I a person who just moves from one crisis to the next? And, and, and other people, you know, they just got to keep pouring grace into me so, so I can keep my head above water. Um, you don't have to listen for a little bit. Right. My wife is a tremendous source of grace to me. She is. I, I, you know, you know, you, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but you know, you get married to somebody and, and you know, you just wonder, it's like, how are they going to be when they're 65? I mean, are going to get, I mean, are they going to get softer or are they just going to be an old crank? I mean, you know, it's like people change. I mean, really, I'm serious. Like get better, you get better or something. I I don't know. You know, it's like, it's like. But so she picks me up to the hospital, and and you know, and I'm half woozy or whatever, and and uh, you know, we're going down the street, and and I say, okay, I'm gonna level with her. I'm gonna tell her this didn't work out the way it's supposed to be, and what we intended to get done didn't get done, and not only that, they found something that could have been potentially cancerous, by the way it was. Just the next process of CLL working into my internal organs, but anyhow. And, and so I'm, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I decided a long time ago, I need to pull no punches with my wife. I'm going to tell her how it is. I mean, you know, it's like if this health thing and my family, okay, there's just none of this, this stuff of beating around a bush, and they're going to wonder what's going on. It's like all transparent, wife and family, like this is it. So I tell her this, that, you know, that, yeah, what they tried, set out to do, they didn't because they found something else. And, and of course, that was before we found out it actually was cancerous, you know, and, and, and I, I see her face cloud. And I think, oh, I'm in trouble. We only have one driver and boy, if this thing falls apart, now we're going to do, you know, it's like we're stuck. And, uh, she, her face brightens up and she says, well, my glad they found that. At least we got that behind us. You know, it, it just, the moment, I mean, it, it's, you know, what would I do? I, I mean, if I have the health issues that I have and I have a crybaby wife and just think that next, everything's, you know, it's just the end of the world and, and, you know, I have to deal with this and deal with that and deal with all this stuff and, but no, she just continues to ministers grace into my life, you know, and, and she's kind of my nurse and whatever. And so she says, do you do what the doctor says? I mean, you're doing this, you're doing that. You know, and my, my knee jerk reaction, which is a nice way to say carnal reaction is I'm old enough to take care of myself. I'm not a baby. I can wash my hands. I can do all this stuff, but you know what? She has fears too. And so I have to minister grace into her life. And I decided, you know, it's like, I'm not going down that road, arguing or whatever. I know what the doctor says. She knows what the doctor says. And so I'm just going to do everything the doctor says. And I can minister grace and peace in her heart by saying, yes, I did that. I did this. I, I don't know if you were there yesterday, I had a water bottle hanging on my belt. You know what that was for? It's for my wife. 
That's for me, too, because I can keep drinking water. I mean, she's got to drink two and a half quarts of water a day or something. I'm so sick of water. But anyhow, that's what you have to do, okay? It's just part of the scene and whatever. And so Mary Jo calls, and she says, Dad, how you doing? He goes, well, how you thinking? I said, well, I'm be up front with you. I, I was seriously bummed out for three for three hours. I mean, seriously bummed out. I mean, it's like, I mean, we're going to walk away from this thing and we're going to get this all behind us and, and this is going to be a good deal. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, I said, I seriously bummed out till the grace of God kicked in. You know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta deal with life as, as it's passed out. Um, you gotta make choices. So am I going to have a physical problem and be miserable, or am I going to have a physical problem and be happy? All right? Take the pick. Am I going to allow the grace of God to pour into my life? Or am I going to shut him off by saying, oh, okay, so so I serve God all my life, and this is what I get? Huh? What am I going to choose? Yeah, you got to give up your plans. My plan to do this, I plan to do that, I plan to do something. I mean, you got to adjust your schedule. You got to do all this thing, and you know, it's like we okay, it's one more step or whatever. I don't know how many steps there are because I ain't talked surgeon yet. That probably Monday, whatever. But. I have to choose. You have to choose. Will I allow God to pour His grace into my life or am I going to shut it off? Remember what I said. We can live however we want to live. Whether you're in crisis, whether you're not, what do you think a storm's coming? What do you think a little thunder's coming in the background? Well, yeah, that's kind of like, oh, yeah, I knew storm coming. Now I hear distant thunder when I went and got my results yesterday. Okay. But you still got to choose. Am I going to avail myself of the grace of God? I'm glad God has, I say this carefully, extremely carefully, because it reflects on other people. But I'm glad, I am thankful, despite the difficulties that other people have gone through, that God has been able to minister into my life long before CLL ever showed up. Last December, Dan Schrock comes to me here. Him and I are very good friends. He says, Dennis, how's it going? So we just walked off the side and sat in a 
bench and just kind of shared our hearts. And, you know, I've been wanting to tell Dan a long time, but I never got around to it. The impact that his life has had on mine for many, many years. So we're getting to the end of the conversation, Dan. I, I tell Dan, I said, I'm going to tell you something that I have tended to tell you for a long time. I've never told you. I should have told you a long time ago, but I'm going to take the opportunity to tell you. I want to tell you something. You have been a tremendous source of grace and encouragement into my life. To watch you as an individual, your wife dying of cancer, Eventually laying her to rest, going several years, finding a girlfriend, getting married, just about time. Things have finally smoothed out. He gets cancer. And to watch Dan Schrock, and his commitment to Christ, and his ability to live for God in adverse circumstances gives me incredible hope. Unbelievable. People can face this, they can face that, they can face combination of whammies, if you want to call it that, disappointments, however, and they can stay faithful, they can stay committed, they can be what God wants them to be, and I mean just Pour their grace into people they have never even thought of. Maybe even never met. Totally, probably. The possibility exists completely unknowing. I find it incredibly amazing. That God can do that. That is so unnatural. That is so. Not human. Hasn't Job. Given us grace. When he said. Though he slay me, yet while I love him. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I don't know if you know what the, uh, the most important, anybody here know what the most important verse in the book of Job is? It's not in the front, it's not in the middle when all his friends are talking. It's in the end in Job 42. I can't quote. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up. Job 42, if I recall. This was Job's advantage in the end. We think that he faced a whole pile of disadvantages, and and maybe he did. That is not, I'm not denying that, you know, all that he lost, and his wife said, just curse God and die, and and, and he pours out his heart, and he says, like, why was I even born, and all that. 
And he went through a tremendous struggle. He's scraping his sores with pottery or whatever. I'm going to read this in the NIV. Job says, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes see you. Theory has fleshed itself out in life. And the conclusion he came to, therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. God is everything and I'm nothing. How much better can it get? Delvin and Christy, I don't know what you're making of all this. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. You, Delvin, and your wife Christy, and your family have been a tremendous, incredible source of grace to me personally. And I believe as a congregation. And I want you to know and receive our thanks for that grace. You are a family that I see as maximizing the grace of God. And I'm praying that God will continue to pour out unlimited amounts of grace into your lives. And I want you to know that our love and our hearts are with you. You see, when we receive the grace of God, we become people who are graceful. It affects our personality. We live in a graceful manner. We can face good times with grace. We can face difficult times with grace. I watched my mother... live gracefully with leukemia. That, folks, this morning is a tremendous challenge to me. And as we as individuals allow God's grace to permeate our life and we live graceful lives for God, and we allow God's grace to be poured into our life to whether it's to the point where it's overflowing into my brothers and sisters around me in the congregation. We call that brotherhood, right? It's a dynamic that cannot be replaced by anything else.
It's irreplaceable. You can't get anything else. Uh, Maybe that's why Paul said, Oh, right here, I'm in Philippians 1. Always, almost always started. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the servants in Jesus Christ Jesus, which are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace. From God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends up the books. May the grace of God be with you in some way, shape, or form. Paul understood that people cannot be victorious without grace. People cannot be God's best without grace. Congregations cannot function effectively. We cannot be what God wants us to be without grace. And as we allow God's grace to permeate our lives and spill out into those around us, we create an atmosphere that is I'm out of words. And the reason I'm out of words because words don't describe. You can't describe what all happens by God's grace. And the reason why you can't describe it, because we don't know how all it can be poured into every situation. And so we just implore God, like, please. I want to be everything you want me to be. Not just for me, but for the people around me. It unleashes the potential for a victorious Christian life personally and as a congregation. And it is a powerful witness to a fallen, confused, fearful, and bewildered world. And it's the only way we can function in that world. And brothers and sisters this morning... We are in that world. I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. What's in the future for me personally? What's in the future for your family? What's in the future for the United States of America? I can't tell you, but I can tell you one thing that gives us all hope that the grace of God is able. May God help us, as Brother Warren says at the end of his messages. May God help us. Let's pray.